Yeah. The little bad boy did it. Been a long time since I had no feelings. Yeah. Try not to smash on. In and out of town, in the bag on different. Can't get in my pants, can't fit in my. Just brought me a brand new pistol. Had some with a handgun with. All these talking about running. Yeah. What you know about running? I'm a dive in my family and sit in the pen. Pen. I mean, I'm as real as it gets. She just got her head done and she sent me a pic. I get home, she gon' sit on my dick. Was broke as the fuck trying to get us. Welcome to Blue Blood TV Season 3, Episode 9. My name is Asan Pinto, and I'm here with Natalie Bodie, Remy Schwartz, and our super producer, Connor Dollard. Today, we're going to talk about North Carolina crushing defeat against Miami, 62-26. to And then we're going to talk about our disappointing Duke team who lost to FSU, 35-56. And then we're going to transition over to the hardwoods and talk about the North Carolina scare from NC Central and the Blue Devils' domination of ACC, their first ACC opponent, Notre Dame. Hey, Natalie, you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Ready? You ready? Let's do it, Haas. Connor, you ready? Yeah, let's go. It's almost game time. Don't forget to pick up a six-pack or four-pack of the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale. Go to your local supermarket. If they do not have it, go to your manager and ask for it. The official game day beer, the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale, is light, crisp, and refreshing. Okay, to kick off this telecast, we're going to start out talking about North Carolina's crushing defeat of Miami, 62-26. to And we're also going to talk about North Carolina's defense that only gave up 10 points. And, Natalie, I've got a super hot take on uh, Carolina's defense, and it's going to make you laugh. Remy, we're going to go on and talk about uh, – Duke football and losing to FSU. So let's get into it. Uh, Natalie, North Carolina dominated Miami from start season on a positive note, possibly propelling them into a New Year's Six Bowl, the Orange Bowl. How satisfied are you with the regular season for the Tar Heel? And does this win change the entire season? What's your take, Natalie? I'm really excited. I don't think it changes the entire season. I'm proud of our resume with the exception of a couple flukes, the FSU game, the Virginia game. But even still, I don't think we were a top 10 team in the country, top five team in the country, tried and true the whole way through. So I'm happy with where we're ending up. But really, I'm just excited. I mean, I think that this was such a complete game played by UNC. I think we'll get more into the defense and their success later on. But I really believe that this offense, the caliber of our offense, is up there with the best teams in the country. I don't think that there's a large gap between our offense and Clemson's offense. I really don't. I mean, the defense, when they play up how they did, this is what we can do. This is what we can be. Mac Brown just brought in another top 15 recruiting class. National Signing Day was recently. It's just exciting. And I think that this isn't news for Mac Brown. This is kind of what he's been saying. He said he thought we'd be pretty good this year, but every year he stays, we're going to keep getting better. I'm so excited for next year and for Sam Howell, obviously, to have at least one more guaranteed season 
And I just think if you're a Carolina fan, it's a really exciting time. Okay, Natalie, I'm a little older than you. Eight and three, I'm excited. The chance at a New Year's Six Bowl for UNC football, I am excited. Was this a positive season? Yes. Um, and it's just because you are young, your expectations to be with Clemson and all the top teams. But for Carolina football, this was a phenomenal season. And I agree with you that it's only going to get better. Remy, the Blue Devils finished 2-9 and nine this season. What are your thoughts as a Duke fan, as a Duke student? Tell me what you're thinking. I am honestly just glad it's over, Haas. I'm not, needless to say, I'm very disappointed, but honestly, I don't really enter every football season with any expectation. You know, as a, as a Duke, your son went to Duke, a lot of the expectations are geared towards basketball, and I'm definitely ready to move in that direction. Okay, but Remy, do you know any of the guys on this team? Do you, do you, do you, do you talk to any of them and, and see what their thoughts are? What is honestly, that? Yeah, honestly, I'm not, like, super close with the guys on the football team, but from what I've gathered on social media, a lot of them are unhappy and actually have recently entered the transfer portal for the guys that have another year of eligibility due to COVID. Um, they're actually leaving Duke and pursuing other options. So, so I let think me ask you a question. Yeah. How do you transfer out of Duke University? You're at an ACC school. They put NFL guys in the pros. But where do you go to play? ACC football and get the same education as you get at Duke. I mean, is that like I mean, making sense? Where can you go? I mean, I mean they are graduating. They're going to get their four-year undergraduate degree from Duke, get a master okay. somewhere else. So I mean, they'll probably honestly, try to come to North Carolina, to be honest. Not I mean, bad. Uh, Natalie, you think that, that that education is on par with Duke? Is that that's what you're saying? I mean, that, she that, She said they already got their undergrad degree. Listen, I understand people like their private school education. I get that. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with the top five public university in the country and the number one value school in the country. Personally, I love it. But who am I to deem how big the gap is? What I will note about Duke playing FSU I just want to put out there for anyone who likes to look at lines, likes to cast a few bets, or even just take some picks. My absolute lock of the entire college football season century was FSU minus three and a half against Duke. At one point, Duke actually scored a touchdown and came within seven. I just want to say that for them to get points on the board in that game, I was shocked. However, the final score line, it was a lock. I never thought that they were going to compete. Trap line all around. Just had to throw out there that if Duke was ever going to maybe even make it look close, it would be the game that I choose to bet against him or take the other team against him. But I rest my case. FSU covered. It's done. Duke got crushed. I actually do hate to see that for you, Connor, and you, Remy. It is, it's a sad time. Remy, let me ask you a question. Those guys yeah. who are transferring, do you think any of them would consider going to Carolina for a fifth year? What 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 are your thoughts on that? I think yeah. it's definitely a possibility. Um, the two guys I'm referring to are Marque- Marquise Waters and Drew Jordan, both defense. So if you're not happy with Carolina's defense, maybe they could add an element or so. 
All I don't right. trust anyone from Duke. I don't trust anyone from the Duke Duke's football program. <laughs> I just did throw that out there. I don't trust the coaches, the players. We're good. We don't need you guys in Chapel Hill. We're fine. All right. So, Natalie, we're going to move back to you. The Tar Heels were explosive from the beginning, but they've been explosive all season long. They just t- have taken a little time to get rolling. But let's talk about this defense. This defense held the Hurricanes to just 10 first half points. Natalie, what's your take on that? Why was this defense so successful against Miami? And then I'm going to give you my hot take. Okay, I'm excited for your hot take. Um, I will say that I think that the defense kind of understands that everyone's sort of talking up UNC's offense and the defense is what's lacking and they really came to play and make a statement. I think that's largely attributed to the fact that Chaz Surratt and Jeremiah Gimmel had not looked better as a linebacker duo all season. I mean, they were totally in sync, played their best collective game of the entire year. I was so impressed I mean, if you have a De'Eric King on the field, you need great linebacker plays. So, I don't know. I think it was also kind of an interesting anecdote that Chas Surratt, who was formerly a quarterback, interesting story. Obviously, now he's a linebacker. The last time he was on that field, he threw three interceptions as Carolina's quarterback in a 47-10 to loss. And he wanted to avenge that. He even told me after, I want to flip the script, and he did. Because I don't know how you go from a QB to linebacker. That's not, that's not common. Right, but from going and throwing three interceptions on that field to absolutely dominating play defensively, I'm happy for him. He's such a crucial part of this defense, and him and Gemmo really stepped up and came to play. And when our offense and defense can play in collaboration to that level, we are a great team. You're a great team. Okay, so do you think Tommy Thigpen, the defensive coach, had anything to do with it? Do you think he, like, you know? Do you think he was motivated this weekend to uh, make something happen because his team played so poorly against Wake Forest? What are your thoughts, Natalie? I mean, I think there's always if, – if the defense plays well, it probably always has to do with the defensive coach. Yes, to what magnitude. Maybe that a chip on their shoulder because of the prior game, maybe. But I think also all year, they, I think they've gotten better as they've played, and especially in the last couple games. But – might be just a matter of the defense gelling and finally some cylinders kind of firing on all cylinders and really playing together as a team, maybe the more games, but you might know something I don't. So let's hear your hot take, Haas. What do you got? Okay, here's the reason the defense actually played so well. So, and this is like really inside information. I can't give up all of it, but I'll give up what I can. So my wife, after the Wake Forest game, goes to the Wake Forest game and goes back to the Carolina Inn with her girlfriends. And they're at the Carolina Inn, and here comes our defensive line coach, Tommy Thigpen. My wife walks up to Tommy Thigpen and says, come here. And she pulls her finger and she says, come here, Tommy. And Tommy comes over, and then she points in his face and she says, you got to fix that defense, Tommy. It stinks, and this is embarrassing. Tommy <laughs> went and um, just left. I think he was, like, really upset because a young lady that knows football, loves sports, super, super duper competitive, uh, told her that he needed to fix the defense. So here's the hot take. From what I understand, 
he texted her before the game, not texted her, but uh, like Facebook Messenger, and said, watch the defense this week. And we're talking 10 points in the first half. That's a true story. I'm sticking to it. What do you think, Natalie? Malia Pinto, that's the that was the uh, the motivation for the Miami game. Hey, look, I I think if she can do that all the time and the same result, then I'll buy into if it, it happens. So if it can happen once, history can repeat itself. I'm sticking to that story too. I'm sticking to the story, you know, because women are incredible motivators for men, and it's one. Sometimes you can be around men and they're scared to tell you the truth, but when a woman says, "You got to fix it," Tommy. <laughs> Tommy, fix it. Tommy, congratulations. Can we give Tommy a clap for the defense? Yeah, Tommy, fix it. So that's my hot take of of the day. Remy, I'm going to switch back to you. Are there any positives to build from this season as the team prepares for next year under Coach Cutcliffe? First off, can we get a Melita Pinto to go talk to Coach Cut? Because – we need a little bit of that on our side too. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> well, I, I mean, look, we can try it. Malia, Malia's a dookie too, so we can definitely try. But Remy, are there any positives? I mean, you did score thirty-five points on FSU. What are your thoughts? Well, also, there's—I forgot to mention this previously—but there's also rumors that Chase Bryce has entered the transfer portal again. So. <laughs> Going into the offseason, we're going to have a lot of question marks if we didn't already have a lot of question marks. So I honestly do not know what the future of Duke football is going to look like. Maybe one positive you could take away is that there's going to be change. There needs to be change. This has been brought to the attention of the higher-ups. And I don't know if that starts with the coaching change or it starts with, obviously, players and personnel. Um, So that maybe is the one positive. But other than that, I don't really know. All right, so we're going to go back over to Chapel Hill. Natalie, NFL draft is coming in the spring. UNC football is going to lose a lot of pieces on their offense. But you do return Sam Howell. What are your expectations for this team, being that Mac is bringing in another monster class? What's your thoughts, Natalie? I think we're going to make the playoff next year. So when you say playoffs, what do you what do you what do you really say? I think we're going to be a top four team in the country. You do. Yeah. Wow. And Natalie, you're not going to be on campus for this. How do you feel about that? I'll be at a game. All right. So, <laughs> so we're a top four team in the country. You think we're going to be battling out for the national championship? Is that? Yeah, and I, I think, think that a real take. And I think that you are going to join me at that game. And we'll go together, and we'll just remember my take right now. So that's what I'm saying, sticking to it. We have to go to that game if it happens to us. Hopefully, you know, the vaccines are out, fans are in. I see no reason why not. I mean, look, we just beat the number 10 team in the country. Were they severely overrated? Yes. However, we looked so good, and Sam Howell's going to come back. We have more recruits coming in. We're only going to get better. Uh, Bo Corrales on the offensive thing, one of our great receivers who's been battling an injury. I have no – I mean, why not? Why not make that take? We, we're going to make a New Year's Six Bowl. My high expectations are next year we're making the playoff, and me and you are going to be in an attendance hoss. It's my hot take of the day. I, I, I love that thought. I love that thought. But I'm going to add a couple. We're going to take Remy. We're going to take Connor. 
we're going to take Terry Dollar and we're going to take Blake. They're all going to come with us to that game. We're in a top four game. We're Fun all going to wherever that game is. But switching topics, let's switch topics. Are you guys ready to go to basketball? Are you ready to talk about basketball, Remy? Please. Please. <laughs> Please. Natalie, you ready to talk about basketball? Uh, a little bit. I'm a little, just a little iffy. It's a close game against North Carolina Central, but let's do it. All right. So before we go there, let's see if we can get Connor Dollard, our statistician, our producer, to give us some statistics from both the North Carolina game and the Duke game uh, last week. Connor, take it. Yeah, thanks, Haas. Um, so something we actually didn't bring up last show was Manny Diaz um, and his history with Mac Brown. Manny Diaz was the defensive coordinator under Mac Brown at Texas in his last stop. And Manny Diaz is actually the only coach Mac Brown has ever fired in season um, in 2013, right before he ended up retiring. And the Texas Longhorns allowed 550 yards on the ground against BYU um, and Taysom Hill. So that guy's now playing on Sunday. So a little bit of a throwback there. Um, and kind of this was very similar um, in, in this game against Miami. So Mac Brown clearly knew exactly which holes to exploit. North Carolina running backs, um, Michael Carter and Javante Williams combined for the most rushing yards out of um, a duo, which with 544 and five touchdowns, which is just ridiculous against the top 10 Miami team who is playing pretty good defense all year. Um, they're a little erratic, but they finished with a top 25 defense last year and allowed 778 yards total, which is um, a, a record for them. And so now Manny Diaz actually has the record at Texas and Miami for yards allowed um, and a lot of history with Mac Brown in both those games for Duke. Um, Chase Bryce, even though he might be leaving the squad now through three picks and we turned the ball over four times against Florida State. So now we actually have 39 total turnovers in just 11 games, setting a record of uh, 3.54 turnovers per game for an FBS team. So we're leading the country in something. Um, yeah, that's about it for football. Thankfully, we're moving into basketball for the, uh, for the rest of the year. It's almost game time. Don't forget to pick up a six-pack or four-pack of the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale. Go to your local supermarket. If they do not have it, go to your manager and ask for it. The official game day beer, the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale, is light, crisp, and refreshing. Okay, so let's... uh roll into basketball. So this past week, uh, the UNC survived a scare with North Carolina Central. They won by six points, and at times that game was at two points. But on the other side of town, the Blue Duke Blue Devils dominated their first ACC opponent, Notre Dame. And um, Remy, mm -hmm. Blue Devils struggled to shoot earlier this year, but they hit – 50% from threes in this game, dominated a solid Notre Dame team. How much confidence does this give you after a shaky start and the rat getting rid of his non-conference schedule? What are your thoughts, Remy? Well, all I'm going to say is I told y'all 
you guys were saying, oh, he's pulling this stunt because he's not confident in his team. They're not going to come out hot against Notre Dame. Told you. Um, <laughs> I, I think they definitely showed up and showed what they were capable of as a team. I mean, a diverse group of guys were scoring for us, and that's what we need, especially with Jalen Johnson out, Jeremy Roach, DJ Stewart, and even Jamin Brakefield seem to be coming into themselves and gaining a lot of confidence, which Coach K said would be key given that we have a young team and not a lot of veterans who have played a lot of minutes. And obviously getting the ball in Matthew Hurt's hands have really has really shown to be beneficial for us. Um, and I expect our confidence to only grow after this win as long as we prepare and just take one game at a time. Okay, Natalie, we're going to talk about the UNC Tar Heels and, um, and the fact that let's just call it what it is, and this is the hot take of the day, the Tar Heels cannot shoot from outside. And since they cannot shoot from outside, they almost lost that game to North Carolina Central. Natalie, are you worried about UNC headed into ACC play? Because I am. Okay, well, here's what I'm going to say. I don't know the exact games and score lines. I couldn't tell you the opponent and, and you know, what the margin was of winning, but I, I really do believe that every year, and obviously not every year, but I remember that in the past five years, there have been a few years where we play someone who's supposed to be kind of like a cupcake preseason, and they end up giving us like the best game of their life, or it's just way closer than anyone thinks. So although we did not look convincing against North Carolina Central, I don't think that's absolutely a reason to write off UNC. But to answer your question, yes, I'm worried. And it's not just because of that opponent. I think that it's just diff- – I've been worried since last season, okay? It's, I've never stopped. I've been perpetually worried since the 2019-2020 basketball season because of just how unprecedented – Not e- we're not even talking about the pandemic. We're just talking about how bad the basketball team was. That was unprecedented for Carolina. So <laughs> – that was shocking. I'm still worried. I've been worried. So yes, Haas, I am. However, we just, we can't shoot. We turn the ball over a, a bunch and we start so slow. I mean, I think we tend to have slow starts where we build up this deficit. We have to catch up. And it's not new that we play a freshman at the guard position. That's been something that's been happening for the past three years. I mean, Kobe White and then you know for just for the past few years that's what we've done but I'm not totally sold on, on Caleb Love either either I know that he was very very highly ranked and and a big time recruit but I'm worried okay Natalie I'm, I want to stay there I think the biggest issue is spreading the floor for Carolina we've got the bigs you've got the rebounders but right now that lane is really clogged not everybody can Love can't get to the hoop um Armando Baycat can't get to the hoop. Everybody can't get to the hoop. You need shooters to spread the floor. Leaky Black wants to get to the hoop because he flat out cannot shoot. Why don't you think Roy can see this? This is very clear. Why can't Roy see that he doesn't have shooters and that with those bigs and that ability to rebound, if he can spread the floor, don't you think Roy – why doesn't Roy see that he needed shooters? 
Listen, I wish I had the answer, but our perimeter shooting has actually been terrible. I think our lead scorers right now are Garrison Brooks and then the two freshmen, Caleb Love, RJ Davis. And I, I just, if we're, and I don't even, no shade to Andrew Playtech. Okay, no shade. But if we're talking about Andrew Playtech being a standout player, I'm concerned. If we're relying on Andrew Playtech to shoot the ball, I'm concerned. Maybe he's having a great season. Maybe this is going to be his breakout season. Maybe I'm going to eat my words later. But from what I've seen, that's a bad sign. Well, my biggest problem with Playtech is this. Andrew Playtech has been brought along. He's been given minutes. It's not like Andrew Playtech has been sitting on the bench for X number of years. Andrew Playtech has been brought along by Roy Williams, given the minutes for his time to shine. And this year, I think I was like, okay, this is Playtech's opportunity to get all the looks uh, from, from me and to give us space. And from what I've seen, he, he really can't do it. I don't, he just doesn't shoot well enough. And Leaky Black, he looks like Kobe, he moves like Kobe, but Leaky does not shoot like Kobe. And those two are the major problems on this team that are not giving us our big space to operate down in the paint. Remy, I'm going to go back to you. Jalen Johnson is out indefinitely with a foot injury. After the last game, does Duke really need him? I think he's a great player, but do they need him? And is his absence going to affect the team, Remy? I think we definitely need him, I think, to make up for those – the past two games, Michigan State, Illinois. None, not all three of those guys that I mentioned, DJ Stewart, Jeremy Roach, Jamin Breakup, all performed. One of them doesn't perform. Who knows if we win the game or not. They each had over 10 points, contributing over 10 points. Jalen Johnson has consistently been scoring that many points a game. So I think – as long as all three of them perform, we might not need him. But it would be definitely helpful to have him and have him combining with all three of them to obviously but impact the game. Do you think Jalen – you know, I thought they were better with – honestly, I, I think, I think Jalen Johnson is a very good player. Yeah. But when I watched him without him, I thought they were a better, a better team. I, I, I don't know why. But I felt like I was watching a better Duke team. When Jalen Johnson was on the court, I didn't see a really good Duke team. What do you, you think, think about that? that? What well, do you do think? Do you think it has anything to do with them coming off the two losses, having a week to prepare without playing since they canceled their game against Charleston Southern? Um, like, do you think that has anything to do with it? Um, I, I don't know because I would like to think if you came off one loss – that would be the thing that would rebound you. So if Duke lost two in a row and Jalen Johnson was there and then he leaves, I would think that if you're wearing that Duke crest, that Duke brand, that Duke blue, one loss would be enough to like shake you up and get you restarted. So the only thing I can think is that they were just better without him. I mean, I don't know if that's a fact because I think he's a great player. But I just noticed that the team played better. And at the end of the day, this is a team game. Any thoughts on that? No, I agree with you. I think the only way to really determine that is to see when he comes back. But I also think it's important to talk, too, about 
Wendell Moore. What has he been doing? Coach K, after his game, this past game, said he played better, but I still thought we were worse with him on the court. So, And he's supposed to be bringing a lot to the game, if you think about it, like from last year to this year, but he's not adding anything either. Well, you know, I think Wendell Moore is a slasher. But when you can't shoot from the outside and you can't stretch the floor, I think Wendell Moore becomes obsolete because he's not a great jump shooter. He's not really good at getting to the rim. I compare him to like a, uh, to a Richard Hamilton who played at Connecticut where he had a nice mid-range game. And that's how I look at Wendell Moore. But when that, when that lane gets clogged because the other team is convinced that you can't shoot, I think it kind of negates Wendell Moore's entire game. But we're going to stick with shooting, but we're going to flip back over to Chapel Hill. Natalie. Duke is actually shooting better than Carolina. So Duke is shooting 35% from the three, and Carolina is shooting 27% from deep. And what can Roy do to improve it? Does he have anyone on his – it looks like he's got a lot of players sitting on that bench that can actually shoot the ball, Natalie? I mean, it really is kind of sad because if you think about last year, I mean, obviously we talk about the horrors of last season and hoping for a different trajectory this year, but Roy Williams called that his least talented team he's ever had. Okay, we all, not all of us, but me and you probably have some problems with that statement, but has that narrative really changed drastically in a year I mean we got some good freshmen cool Caleb Love RJ Davis they are some of the two top threes I mean of our top three scorers they occupied two of those spots but I'm not terribly impressed by either of them so I just think that maybe what if we don't have the talent and I would be curious to hear your take on that but we wanted Leaky Black to be a great shooter. So far, he hasn't been. We wanted Andrew Playtech to really be that fifth man that can bring the energy and come off the – or sixth man and bring the energy, come off the bench and knock down some threes. He's not a great shooter. I'm not super impressed with Caleb Love so far. He's not how Cole Anthony was last year, and he's not how Kobe White was the year before either. Both of those freshmen were, were – fresh. both of those players were freshman guards as well. So – I just don't know how much different this team is than last year's team because even the freshmen have not been super impressive in context to the rest of this team. But what do you think, Haas? What, what is the issue with our offense? Um, we just simply can't shoot. I mean, Roy has a prototypical Roy team. He's got big 6'10", 6'11", Deron Shop 6'11", Walker Kessler 7'1". Armando Baycott, 6'10", Garrison Brooks, 6'10", Sterling Manley. Is that guy still on the team, Natalie? 6'11", uh, Walker I, I, When's the last time he played? I know. I mean, Sterling's a great guy. I interviewed him earlier this year. He's extremely eloquent. He's in, it, just a very intellectual dude. I have no doubt that he has a ton of basketball IQ, and he's probably a very good player. But, I mean, when was the last time he got minutes? That's a serious question. That is not even trying to be – you know, funny. I I'm serious. When was the last time he played and when is he expected to play next? Because I feel like he's been injured for four years. I, I, I feel the same way, but Roy has like seven guys over six foot 10. 
ranging to seven foot two. That's a Roy Williams team, right? So do you think it's a matter of what he said? He doesn't have the talent. Is that the problem? Have we not, you know, flipped the script enough from last season? Is that still the issue? I think he has the talent. I think what Roy doesn't ha- have is the shooter. So what I'm going to propose to Roy, Roy Williams, if you're listening to my podcast, I'm not in practice, but what I would do is see who can shoot. And what I would go to is the, a six foot eight guard named Puff Johnson. I mean, his brother was a great shooter for us. I would like to think that Puff was recruited for shooting. Um, he doesn't have the frame or the structure to really get in the get to the hoop. But we got to find a person who can just sit out on the flanks and stroke the stroke the three, find the open shot. And give guys like Amando Baycott, Duran Shaw, Walker Kessler uh, opportunities to operate inside. And I will argue that Caleb Love will be better if we can get this outside shooting going. That's what that's what I would argue now. I would You're- agree. And Cam Johnson was so crucial for Carolina. That if we've got that same blood flowing through another player, let's start developing him now. Throw Puff on the court. I'm with you, Haas. Yeah, because I, I say, look, play tech, the bench. We gave you opportunities. We brought you along. We gave we've you seen him. We've tried to develop him. We've seen him. He, he's done. Paytech, your career is over. Okay? I watched the over. Duke Carolina game last February, and they were like, all right, play tag, six man, let's bring him in. It's time to shine. And it's like, all right, you have a clutch factor? Okay, Brick, no, you're missing every shot you take. Like, we've tried to develop him. That's what I'm saying. If we're heavily relying on play tech to be our, our outside shooter, I mean, that's a bad sign. All right, Remy, I'm back to you. Um, Last show, we said Coach K was worried about his team, his disadvantage at the empty Cameron Indoor Stadium. But his biggest fan on TV, we call him Dickie Vital, and longtime friend of Coach K, has backed up Coach K and said he has been feeling this way about the virus recently. Do you think this performance puts those rumors to rest? What are your thoughts? Well, like on the last show, I definitely said I don't think his decisions had anything to do with his results and his – Stop it. What would you say? Stop it. Stop it. No. Okay, Haas, come on. You thought really we were going to lose to Charleston Southern and Gardner-Webb, really? I mean – Right now. You think they were going to lose? I mean, you might. No. You you might. You don't know that. even Come despite on. that, you don't think the the performance, the poor performances kind of lit a fire under him to speak out against COVID? I genuinely – okay, coming from a Duke athlete, I know how strict the university is on COVID guidelines and how much President Price is concerned with maintaining a, a level of zero positives, not anything like that, being worried. I mean, he spoke on CNN about it for – Hey, Remy, 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 stop, stop, stop. I'm, I'm going to dig into you today. I'm, I'm nice to you, but not today. Here's my problem with it. Coach K says they should go home for Christmas. And to me, that puts his players at more risk of catching COVID to go home, intermingle with family members. It's a nice thing, 
But when you're thinking about protecting your players from COVID, protecting your players from this crazy virus, that is not the option. I think Coach K was a rat that was in the corner and he was looking for an excuse. That's what I think. What do you think, Remy? Well, do you th- so if you say that now after this win, do you think he'll still allow them to go home if you do think it's a bigger risk? Of course he will allow them to go home. But what you're going to find out, what if he takes these kids home, they come back, ACC play happens, and two or three of them come back with COVID? That's, that's putting his players at risk. That's putting him at risk. I think the rat, I'm going to call him a rat today because that's what he was last week, a rat looking for an excuse. I'm going to tell the rat that you put yourself in a worse situation because keeping them at Duke was going to keep them safer because where can you get tested? Remy, did you say you get tested every day? Every day. Every day. Where can you get tested when you go home for five days? Okay, so Haas, you're telling me that no one else on a basketball team at a college is going home for Christmas. Is that correct? I'm telling you that Coach K made an excuse, used COVID as an alibi, canceled games so that he could give his team some rest, okay, and was looking for an excuse. But when you think about it, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to support, I'm going to support the players who say we are safer playing basketball or football because we have access to healthcare that the general population does not. I'm going to, I think that, I think that's a, Natalie, didn't Trevor Lawrence say that his players are safer playing football? Didn't he say that? I mean, I agree with you. I think that it kind of goes against his prior sentiment because if your players are dispersing across the entire country, then yes, of course it's going to be a higher risk to all involved. I don't know if he has some type of plan to get them tested and then quarantined. I, I don't know, but I definitely think that at the root of what you're saying is that there's a conflict between making a statement saying that, COVID is a reason for canceling these games and we need to take this more seriously and then sending your players home to intermix and mingle with friends and family at whatever part of the country and whatever type of travel that entails. It sounds absolutely crazy to me. And Remy, you cannot defend that. And if you can defend it, defend it. And if you can't defend it, we're going to go to Connor and Connor, you're going to have to defend it. Remy. Defend it. All I'm saying is I knew all of you who believe these rumors would say one game can't change it. Coach K is trying to cover. But I genuinely think that he's doing what's best for his players. Okay. We're going to go to Connor, who's our producer, our stats guy. We're going to get his weigh-in on Coach K's uh, canceling the non-conference season. Connor, give us your thoughts. Connor, you got to help me out here. Yeah, you know, it's tough. Originally, I kind of was more with Haas, um, and I don't think that Kay would necessarily make these statements. Like, if you look at Gonzaga, they've had to pause their program for two weeks. They're the number one team in the country. You know, um, Mark Few is still at risk of getting COVID himself and potentially facing health issues, and he 
and he doesn't say anything. Um, but on the other hand, I, I do think that Kay like genuinely cares about this and has for a long time. Um, and the point that Remy was making about President Price and him being a huge factor in this, I think is actually a very key one. And the, the, the university itself being very hard on the program is something that I think um, people aren't necessarily factoring in that Carolina or Gonzaga might not have to deal with. And he's kind of been around this for that environment for a lot longer than a lot of other coaches have. So I, I do see that aspect of he, the strain of COVID rather than necessarily um, the virus itself is kind of, he sees that taking a toll on his players and, and the program and he thinks that it might not be best to continue. So I think, I don't know, I'm kind of in the middle, but I, I'll side with Kay on this one. Um, side with the go. So, okay. So are you saying Connor, that the strain is a mental strain of not seeing their family and friends and he's going to free them up to see their family and friends because he feels that his team will play better. So it's more of a mental fatigue and not a physical thing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, that's 100% uh, what I'm saying. You know, Brian Kelly came out uh, just – a couple days ago and said that they were considering not playing in the college football semifinal if there weren't fans and um, if there weren't families in attendance. So this is clearly a huge thing for college programs in football and basketball. And I think Kay is worried about the mental health and kind of the ability to see like these guys have gone, if you think about it, they got here over summer. Um, they've been kind of locked down. They haven't seen their family in, um, you know, like extended period of time. They're 18, 19 year old kids right? They're not men working, getting paid in the NBA. They're, they're college students that like need to see their family. I think Kay um, is doing it for those reasons rather than necessarily like the virus is um, avoidance. I think he's got other things that he's kind of factoring. Okay. So, all right. So let's just say we go with that. Natalie, jump into this whenever you'd like, but all these players disperse across the country to their hometowns and then when they reconvene in january five players have covid what do you do then i mean and take it I, I don't have all the answers but i i just will stand by what you said he has two contradictory statements saying that covid is an issue and then allowing his players to go home I mean, I'm not trying to discount the fact that spending Christmas with your family is something that's very valuable and important or whatever holiday you celebrate, but those two statements do contradict. But I want to bring up another point too, which is on, along the same vein of that statement. I just hope we get through basketball season. I mean, I think if there's a way to do it with football, there's a way to do it with basketball. But I truly am concerned that we maybe – you know, will not be able to get through it in. And part of that reason is it's a winter sport and we're dealing with these holiday breaks. And then we're dealing with the reopening of universities come the spring semester. And I think we saw in college football, how tumultuous that, you know, Thanksgiving break, like Halloween to Thanksgiving time period was because students were coming and going from campus and so I think it'll be interesting to see, fingers crossed, that we can have a college basketball season from start to finish and finally get some March Madness. All right. All right. Well, um, all I'm going to say is Coach K is sending players back to Wisconsin 
to Charlotte, to Illinois, to Virginia, to Fayetteville, to Charlotte, to Georgia, to Minnesota, uh, to Pennsylvania. I mean, he's sending guys a lot of places. Um, and some of those places are really, really uh, having a hard time with COVID-19. I personally think it's a mistake. I personally think it's a mistake for uh, the players unless, you know, he's got someone who can test them every single day, test their families, and I don't think he has that. So, um, so, so that's my take on that. Coach K, I think you got back to no corner. He looked for an excuse. He created an excuse. He had people um, vouch for his excuse like Dick Vitale, and now he's got to live with it, and he's going to have to live with the fallout. Okay, Natalie, we're going to go back to Carolina. We're going to move through this quick. Carolina relies on their veteran front court, Armando Baycock, Garrison Brooks. And um, why have their guard play been so ineffective this year? I think that's a great question. I I think we're all kind of wondering the same thing. And I feel like we addressed a lot of the big issues, Haas. I'm just, I will say Armando Baycott has stepped it up. He recently had a double-double. Garrison Brooks, he's the highest scorer on the team, or he's the most effective scorer on the team. So if they're working with those types of stats, I mean, Garrison Brooks scores UNC's team the most points. Armando Baycott just logged a a double-double. Looks like he's improving at, at a fast pace, and we're still having an effective guard play. I just... I don't, I question the talent. I question, I mean, just there's so many question marks for me personally heading into this season that I really can't come out and say that I think we're going to be a huge force in the ACC and that it's going to be complete turnaround from what we saw last year because I'm just not convinced. Okay. So this next question goes out to Remy and Connor. Connor, I'm going to start with you. Coach Caves, in my opinion, has backed himself in the corner. He's sending his players home to see family and friends. Does the team come back a better team or a worse team, and why? I would say I think they come back uh, a better team. Um, I think the time off is helpful for them. You saw they had a pretty extended break. They canceled one of their games between um, the Notre Dame game and their last game against Illinois, and it worked out well for them. I think, you know – time with the family and everything will help. I think it, I think it'll, in the long run, it'll be better for the players and for the team. Um, But I don't think it'll make a huge difference in terms of whether they stay or go. Um, Like, I don't think that's going to make or break the season. Remy, hot take. What's your hot take on that? I agree. And I also want to like specify, like they're not going home for two weeks. They're going home for four days. Like, they're not even spending Christmas with their families. They're spending four days with their family at, in this point in time. Like, they went home after the other day. So they're coming back in ample time to be able to play and practice to be prepared for their next game. So I think, it, honestly, they'll come back a better team. Natalie, next up for the Tar Heels is Kentucky. Kentucky Kentucky's having an okay season. What are the keys to victory for, for Carolina against Kentucky? Yeah, I first of all want to say that Kentucky also tends to be a high turnover team, just like Carolina. So obviously for Carolina, we got to cut the turnovers. I expect this to be somewhat of a sloppy game. 
Caroline also has to lock down Terrence Clark, and I'm curious who they will put on Terrence. I think it might be Leaky Black. We need a good game from him, but in short, I would say we got to shoot better, Haas. We've been hammering that point all episode long. We got to shoot better. We got to cut the turnovers, got to lock down Terrence Clark, and I Personally, for me, Caleb Love has to continue to improve. I know he was a very highly touted recruit coming in. I need to really see him look comfortable in that guard, point guard role for Carolina. And I, I need some leadership out of him, even as a freshman. So he'll continue to grow, but he has to live up to, to great names of the past. Okay, and then Natalie, finally, UNC opens up ACC play with NC State, which is their rival or NC State's rival. I don't know if it's Carolina's rival, but how does that game go? Does UNC get off to a hot start? Does Roy solve some of his problems in the backcourt? And can UNC, with their lineup, win the ACC this year? Wow, that's a loaded slate of questions you just gave me. I think we're going to get a lot of answers from the tournament this weekend. Again, we're, we're going to see a lot from Kentucky in the games to come. I don't know. It is too soon to tell for me with anything. I am a scarred Carolina fan after last season. I haven't seen enough. I have to see improvement with players, with shooting. I got to see a, a lineup nailed down. Haas, I hate to tell you this. I can. I don't know. I really don't. And you know, earlier in the episode, I'm like, rah, rah, Carolina, we're making the playoff next year for college football. I can't even sit here and tell you if we're going to be a contender for the ACC title, because as I mentioned, I'm a scarred Carolina fan. All right. So wrapping up Blue Blood TV season three, episode nine. Um, we would like all of our fans to share this podcast and also follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts and follow us and share us because that's how we, and most of all, rate us. Um, so that's it for episode nine, season three. We out. We out. We out. We out. In and out of town, in the bag on different. Can't get in my pants, can't fit in my Just brought me a brand new pistol. Has a with a handgun with all these talking about running. Yeah. What you know about Rick? I'ma die for my family and sit in the pen. pen. I mean, I'm as real as it gets. She just got her hair done and she sent me a pic. I get home, she gon' sit on my dick. Was broke as the f trying to get us an M. Drop for me, I'ma hit me a lick. These sit around talking all day like some.